off-season time for Inter-Miami, but that doesn't mean that Miami Total Football Radio is stopping. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Franco Penizo and I'm your host on this week's podcast. And with me as always is Steve Brenner. Steve, how was your Thanksgiving? How much turkey did you eat over the weekend? Um, didn't eat any turkey as I'm vegetarian. So um, I made a nice butternut squash curry and cooked turkey for my family. And uh, yeah, very nice. You know, um, we don't have really have Thanksgiving in England. Um, so it's nice to just have this sort of all-encompassing holiday. But in the given the circumstances, it was pretty low-key. But nice just to uh, just to relax and, and unwind uh, from what's been a pretty busy week, busy few weeks. I did not know that you were vegetarian. I did not know this. I thought after you know all the sandwiches that we were eating at Inter Miami CF Stadium before the games, I, I figured you had grabbed a turkey at some point or one of the roast beef ones that uh, Inter Miami provides us with pregame meals before. For each match, but I guess you had only the avocado one. Is this? Is this? Are you confirming these reports? I've never actually eaten a sandwich at the stadium. I, I do tend. To, I tend to eat caviar um, in, in one of the boxes with David and, and some of the other players before <laughs> I to get to the press box. So uh, nice. before I have to, to 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 get down and dirty with the the, the journalist, I, I mix it with the with the hoi polloi of Inter Miami. But no, I haven't sampled the sandwiches. But you would probably see me eating an avocado one if at all. But Let's let's cut away from my dietary needs. I think, for now. It's not what the people want to hear. <laughs> well, we'll make it a New Year's resolution to have you try a sandwich in, in 2021 at the stadium. Uh, but you you touched on David Beckham, uh, your long lost cousin, and I do want to talk about that on on this week's pod. I want to talk about him. I want to talk about Jorge Mas. I want to talk about Marcelo Claudio, and, and as well as Paul McDonough, because it's been almost two weeks since Inter Miami was. Knocked out of the, the playoffs, and we haven't heard much, if anything, from them, really. So I think that's something to touch on this week, as well as, of course, our regular Q&A session and overall player grades for this season, just to, to put a bow on how each player did before the news comes in of which players are staying and which players are leaving, because there are roster decisions looming now before we get to all that just want to let everybody know and remind everyone to give us a follow on all our social media accounts at miami total football on youtube and facebook at mia total football on twitter and at miami underscore total underscore football on instagram we've been we did a giveaway a couple of weeks ago we're gonna do one again we're gonna do a couple this month before the holidays so stay tuned for that because we're gonna be giving away some training jerseys some game jerseys so make sure you follow us there, and you'll have an opportunity to win those. So, Steve, we have plenty to get to, so let's get to it. So, Steve, it's been almost exactly two weeks since Inter Miami suffered that demoralizing, flat 3-0 loss to Nashville SC in the play-in round of the postseason. Obviously, we had Thanksgiving last weekend. There was a holiday, but I feel like there's been some time for somebody on Inter Miami's brass or, or their leadership to step up and talk about what happened this season. What went wrong with this team that, you know, obviously there was a pandemic, but this team came into the year talking very highly of, of its ambitions and what it wanted to say, what it set out to do. And it fell very sh- well short of that. And we haven't heard anyone come out and talk about why. And I think that's a talking point because. If Inter-Miami had gone far into the playoffs, I think David Beckham would have made the rounds and talked about the good 
and the and the and the and the, the potential that Inter Miami has shown in year one. I think you would see a lot more media appearances, a lot more talk about the success that was had. But we haven't heard anything, and I think that we need to talk about that because it's. I I I just can't I can't I can't understand why no one's come out to address what went wrong this season, what needs to be corrected, and. You know, touch on comments like what AJ De La Garza said in the post-game press conference after Nashville about players not understanding each other and having language barriers. Does you know do, do the front office believe that's an issue? Do they think it's something else? I mean, I think there's a lot of questions about the course of 2020 and why things went the way that they did, and we just haven't gotten any answers from the team itself, from 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 the brass. So, I mean, what do you think? What do do you think they should have come out by now and talk? I I, I feel like most clubs. Um, around the world, at least the ones that are ambitious and that, that set lofty goals, by now they would have come out and said something given that how, how short they fell of their stated goals. Well, I mean, I think, you, you know, you made the point there that there's so much to sort of go at in terms of what went wrong necessarily, not in terms of what went right. So maybe they're just uh, keeping their, their cards close to their chest for now. I mean, it's, it has only been a couple of weeks. I, I do expect they would speak within the next few weeks. I mean, before the start of the season, we, we spoke to Paul McDonough a, a fair amount. I think Jorge Mas did a couple of press conferences. Even Beckham turned up at one point. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, they've got a lot to sort of, to go through, I guess. And it's it's not, I, I can't imagine just racing desperate to to speak to us, to tell us exactly what went wrong. They'll try and put it off for as, for as long as possible. I think that's always the way, isn't it? You, you play well and, you, and you, you hear from them all the time. But if, if not, then if things are going wrong, then, they're maybe a little bit more reticent, and, and we're not hearing from them right now. So I think uh, let's just let's just see 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 what they say. I know we we you know we we've, we've certainly requested and asked and see, seen what the situation is. So hopefully they'll they'll come out and say something. But you know they've got some like you say some some sort of big big questions to be asked and and and, and get some difficult answers. Steve, I get what you're trying. To, I get what you're saying. I get the point that there's plenty for them to mull over and, and discuss. But I think that, that part of that has already happened. I don't think that they waited until the end of the season to kind of have a game plan of how to approach the offseason. I'm sure they knew well before the season ended, well before they suffered that 3-0 loss, some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses that the team has, some areas that need to be improved, some of the moves they were planning to make. I'm sure that they had a vision already of what the offseason would sort of look like. Maybe not every single answer, but some answers, and we just haven't heard anything. We haven't we haven't spoken to Paul McDonough uh, as a whole since five months ago. July first was the last time we spoke to him. The day that Inter Miami was leaving from Inter Miami CF Stadium to hop on a couple of buses and make it make its way to Orlando for MLS's back. That is the last time we have spoken to Paul McDonough as a group in, in the media availability. It's been five months exactly to the day because today is December first that we that we've spoken to him and we have we don't know we haven't heard from him about his thoughts on MLS's back we haven't heard about his thoughts on signing Iguain and Matuidi we like we haven't heard much from anyone and we'll touch on your we'll touch on your long lost cousin even even he has and yes he's he's in another country right he's in England David Beckham's in England right now because. Uh, of COVID and, and he's he's remained there so obviously he hasn't been able to travel to Miami as much as he probably planned to however even he has gone kind of quiet with regards to Inter Miami and I'm not 
I'm not saying anything here that, I mean, that is probably a, a surprise to you because there's been plenty of murmurs and whispers over the last few weeks, even even before the season ended, about David Beckham's lack of promotion towards Inter Miami. Right in the beginning of the season, it was there was this big push. Um, not only did he make a lot of appearances, and again, this was before the virus hit, but he was also very active on social media, pushing the team that he owns or that he partially owns. And now if you go through his Instagram account, you don't see much mention of Inter Miami anymore. And you haven't for at least a few months. It's kind of like he's he's kind of gone silent with regards to that. And you know, obviously they haven't been doing well, and David Beckham's a very successful brand, and maybe Inter Miami not doing all that well is doesn't doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily very copacetic for the David Beckham brand, but I don't know, man. I, I feel like someone should have come out by now and, and said something, uh, answered some questions. Fans clearly aren't happy about what happened, especially with that last game. There's questions about the players communicating. I mean, there's there's plenty of things to address that I feel should have been addressed and that are now lingering and... I don't know. I don't. I don't know if this approach of you know waiting it out to, to answer is 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 the right one. I think they they've got to come out and, and, and touch on some of these things and talk about some of these things openly and candidly and say, look, we fell short here, here, and here. This is what we need to do. You know, we saw progress here. Maybe we didn't see progress here. I don't know. I, I feel like it's unacceptable. I think it's unacceptable for a club that claims that it wants to be one of the biggest in MLS, one of the biggest in this hemisphere, to not act like a big club. If you're going to want to be a big club, be a big club in all facets, in all aspects, at all times. Or at least try to be. And I don't think that they're succeeding by not speaking to us and and answering some of the questions that are lingering. And I don't think this is just about us on the media side. I think this is about delivering a message to your fan base to tell them, hey, we recognize we've made mistakes and this is what we're doing to correct it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's just symptomatic of, of the problems that the, the team, you know, had and, and maybe some bad bad decisions that were made. I, I did think that, that, that David Beckham had had gone pretty quiet. I spoke to his people about that. He assured me that he was still very supportive. He's watching from home, et cetera, et cetera. He's, he's a busy guy, you know, advertising everything from whiskey to, you know, he's doing some puff pastry the other day as well, I think. But um, I, I did think he'd gone a bit quiet, but that's not, that's, that's not really a barometer, is it, I guess? I mean... Um, that's not to say that he's not fully involved and, and fully behind just because he hasn't posted a picture of him at three o'clock in the morning watching watching it on the TV. Um, you know, and, and I think someone like him, he's not going to just put himself forward and want to come out and speak. He, that's why he's got people like Jorge Mas and, and Paul McDonough on the ground to sort of do do that stuff. I'm surprised that Jorge Mas hasn't really spoken. I, I do, like I said, I, I do think in, in time they, they will they will see something. Maybe they're waiting for the end of the season. I, I don't know, but... Um, you know, that's it's as, as we, we touched on before, when, when things are going well, you can't, you know, you can't keep these people away. We spoke to Paul McDonald three or four times before the start of the season. And I think as the season started as well, then everything sort of went went south with COVID and everything like that. But, um, you know, it, they've got a lot of tough questions to answer and I've also got some big decisions to make, you know, this, you know, in, in, in the coming weeks. So maybe they're just... Uh, Keeping a council for now, and then um, we'll we'll get to hopefully speak to them speak to them in a bit. And I guess maybe there's also an element of just wanting to let the the dust settle a bit after the disappointment of of the Nashville game, and just everyone have a bit of a decompress and sure the players have, have gone their separate ways, and just you know everyone's 
just just taking a breather and then they can sort of get back into it starting you know maybe next week i mean but is that leadership is that is that how is that how other teams around the world operate when they come out and, and make a lot of appearances when they're trying to talk about their big ambitions and their big goals and then when they fall short of that they just kind of go and disappear for a bit is that is that how it works i mean i feel like the teams are forced because of of the external pressure to come out and, and address these things, whereas Inter Miami and their leadership's kind of said, uh, "All right, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we can take some time away and then come and, and address the season." And again, I know that there are circumstances. It's, this is not a regular year. This is a very difficult year with a lot of challenges. But I don't understand why they're, they're, they haven't been able to say one of us needs to at least go out there and and address public concerns, media concerns, and let's talk about some of what happened in, in 2020. Whether it's Paul McDonough, whether it's David Beckham, whether it's Jorge Mas. I mean, ideally you'd, you'd get something from a, a little bit of all of them, but I mean, even if just one of them came out. I, I mean, we haven't spoken to the sporting director in five months. That's that's a long time. And they signed big-name players in that in that time frame. And they made the playoffs. They had a, a big moment where they made them. And we still didn't hear from from them. So I don't, I don't know, man. To, to me, that's... I, I I'm not I'm not buying the the fact that they've gone quiet or I'm not I'm not really I, I can't I can't look on that look at that and say you know that this is this is okay I think I think it's something that they need to correct I think one of them has to come out and talk and and you know you've you've mentioned it in recent recent pods you you and you you touched on it just now David Beckham has gone on his Instagram and sure what he says on Instagram doesn't necessarily mean that he's how involved he is with the team, absolutely. But he was very proud and very happy during the beginning of the season when he was pushing the team and making all his media appearances, and now he's gone quiet, absolutely quiet. He has posted a picture of him in a LA Galaxy jersey with the USA flag five days ago to, to celebrate and commemorate Thanksgiving in the United States. But... No, there's no Inter Miami, and there hasn't been any Inter Miami on his story. He did. There was. There was a. He posted a picture of, of like downtown Miami, I think, with a when it was dressed up in like pink or black, or he did do something like that recently. He re, I think, so he reposted the the, the Inter Miami post, but not, like he's not posting anything himself. Being like, all right, it's like I don't know, man. Again, I, I think I think they need to come out and talk. I think someone needs to come out and, and face the music, for for lack of a better phrase. Like somebody's just come out and say something because. This year it wasn't good enough. They fell well short of their goals, and they don't. I don't know. They they shouldn't just all of a sudden go hide in the shadows now because things didn't go go their way. Because if they, I guarantee you, if things had had gone the way they hoped, or if they had won MLS Cup, David Beckham would be in South Florida, or he would be making the rounds on Zoom calls around the world and smiling and taking pictures, uh, saying how great of a success this team was. And things didn't go that way. That, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't relieve them of of their duties as the leadership of of this club. I mean, that's just my opinion. That's just what what I think. No, that's that's fine. But you know, you, you, you I mean, even looking, re- watching the news, the soccer news today from from back in the UK. You know, Celtic huge problems at the moment. You know, none none of the none of their front office are, are, are talking. You know, it's just it's the default thing, isn't it? When when things are going wrong, they tend to sort of you know go into the background and retreat and not and not and not say anything. But you know, like I say, I'm sure in the, in the coming weeks they'll they'll say something, but like it's going to be it's going to be uncomfortable because um, you know it's just like you say it wasn't it wasn't good enough and, and the big decisions a lot of them seem to be 
not didn't really go their way and there just seemed to be a little bit of a, a lack of planning you know Diego Alonso's position is going to come under scrutiny the transfers are going to come under scrutiny everything's going to everything's going to be questioned and I guess they're not rushing to sort of open up bare their souls and you know I guess also the element is that you know, normally, or certainly in my experience in this sort of thing, you know, you'd you'd get invited down to the club after the end of the season. You'd have like a, a, a coffee or, and, you know, you'd sit around a table with the guys. And of course, that isn't possible now. I know we have Zoom, but to have that sort of interaction with, with people, you know, sitting down, just probably having a frank discussion is not something we can do right now as well. I know, you know, we can do it on Zoom, but it's not the same. It's not the same. So there is an element of that as well. So um, well, right. let's, let's, let's see what happens. My, my question is, who's taking responsibility for what went wrong this year? Diego Alonso commented after after the loss and, you know, he talked about the game in specific, but he didn't necessarily talk about the season on a whole and, I mean, he's alluded to it in different points about not having the full squad. You know, he always said he didn't want to use that as an excuse, but, you know, in ideal circumstances, he would have liked to have had the full roster from the beginning of the season. So that's as close as we've gotten to someone in an upper management position saying what went wrong this year. Other than that, haven't really gotten much out of out of the, the brass, and I think there's even more questions raised when you have a player, a veteran player like AJ De La Garza saying there's a language barrier between players and that they don't understand each other. Now, whether that's comes down to like Eric touched on last week, does that mean more of they just don't understand each other from a soccer perspective or and on the field, or you know, is the language thing a real a real hindrance here, a real problem? Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I think there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions that need to be answered and. I think the sooner they answer those questions, the, the better they'll be because then, you know, that'll help fans have some answers. Because right now, I, I, stock is pretty low uh, on, on Inter-Miami. I mean, if, if Inter-Miami was waiting for a Christmas present, it'd probably get uh, a lump of coal in its stocking right it's now. Pretty cold. It's pretty cold right now, so that would probably uh, <laughs> fire up the chimney. It is, it is chilly. It is chilly. Um, it is chilly in South Florida today. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back to give our our player grades, and touch on a couple of other items from Inter Miami. Okay, Steve, so as people that are listening to this probably know, and if they don't, we'll break it down. Monday, this past Monday, there was an MLS deadline for teams that either didn't make the playoffs or that were eliminated from the playoffs in the opening rounds to make decisions on which player options they were picking up for 2021 and which ones they were declining. A lot of clubs have publicly announced their decisions. Inter Miami has yet to do so. Now, does that that does not mean that they didn't make the deadline or they didn't reach the deadline because from what I've heard, they did it. But they haven't announced them. And there's no deadline for when they have to announce them. So we might hear something this week. We might not. Uh, regardless... And I know we've touched on this a little bit over the last few weeks, but what do you think? Who do you think could be on the list of 
options not picked up for 2021? I mean, yeah, I mean, you could. There's, there's, it's probably a better way to look at it. Who's, who, who do you think is a nailed on that's, that's, that's going to stay? I mean, you know, uh, Breck Shea, these sort of guys, De La Garza. I mean, Figal, I guess, is, is pretty much set, isn't he? Lewis Robles, we've, we've talked about in the past. Um, Powell, Ben Sweat. I mean, you know, all these guys, Jay D- Dylan Nealis. You know, there's there's like a periphery, isn't there? Players that sort of you feel like you know they're they're they're, they're good tries and good hard workers, but are they sort of you know instrumental to what they're trying to do here? You'd say the core of the team is is Gonzalez Perez, it's Lewis Morgan, is Iguain, is Matuidi, p- possibly Pizarro. That that's a little bit up in the air as well, and then everything around them. Really, I think it's it's sort of up for grabs, isn't it? You know, it's whether or not they can, you know, use the use the market and bring in bring in something better. I think that core of of not star players, but of of that that tier A sort of level of player, I think it is good. It's just it's what you know they have around them, and that's the MLS, isn't it? You know, you can't spend millions and millions of, of dollars and just throw money at it and get a a team of a team of absolute all stars. That's that's the that's the game, isn't it? Is that is to build around a core of, of, of DPS or, or higher earners or bigger earners, the top players, whatever. So, um, I, I I don't think there's there's much sort of uh, sway to keep. A lot of the guard people that I mentioned, Carranza as well. You know, didn't, did he really do much? Highly rated speaking to an agent the other day. They, you know, they were people were very, very keen on him. Yeah, he's kind of struggled a little bit. So it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, really. I'm gonna I'm gonna give some names that I think aren't gonna be. All right, I know I've I've touched on Ben Sweat in the past. I've touched on Luis Robles. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a couple more players that I don't think will have their options necessarily picked up. And this is not information. This is just my. Uh, my sensation, my, my just the my feeling of what I think. So not reporting this is just what I think. I think Juan Agudelo probably will not have his option picked up. He had his moments. I like his, I like his skill set. Um, I've liked his skill set since he was coming up through the ranks as a, as a young promising prospect. However, I don't think I'm not sure Inter Miami is gonna bring him back because he's he's probably on a little bit of I'm not gonna say he's super expensive but he's probably on a higher deal given that he's a veteran and he's played in Europe he's, he's an MLS uh long time MLS player so they probably think they can get someone who can give them more production who's maybe a little more inclined to staying healthy because he had some injury issues this year and they can give him similar or better production, uh, either up top or, or at midfield, I think. Like I said, Ben Sweat and Luis Robles are, are two very big question marks for me, whether they come back. I'm not sure about Will Trapp. I'm not sure if, if he if he returns. I think I do think that they'll keep Carranza. I know you touched on him uh, specifically. I think the younger players are more inclined to have their options picked up or to, to stay because... They're young, and Inter Miami is going to invest some time into these young players. They're not going to be finished products overnight. So, uh, look, and I th- and I don't want to go back and harp on on the subject of l- listening uh, or talking to to the brass, but I think that's part of why too, right? Because early on, they 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 kind of were going this young route, this young player, younger build, Atlanta United type of build, where they were signing younger players and trying to build that way, and then. 
halfway along the process, they decided to change gears and, and go a little bit with older stars or older, bigger names like Matuidi, like Iguain. So the plan changed along the way. The vision changed somewhat along the way. And, and obviously COVID probably affected that, but it'd be interesting to hear what all went into that. But regardless, I do think there, there might be some interesting names when Inter-Miami gets to the point of announcing these decisions. Hopefully it'll be this week, but uh, again, there's no exact deadline for when Inter-Miami has to, has to announce that. So unclear when, when that'll, that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I guess they have got decisions to make over. You know, Pellegrini is, is a young young player, isn't he? So I guess they'll stay. And 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 Pizarro is is he happy? Does they want to keep him? I mean, that that's that discussions, which I you know I think will be key to everything, won't it? And potentially could could free up some money elsewhere. So we have to wait wait and see. Okay, so then let's just jump into the to, into the individual player grades because I think our grades will also help maybe paint a picture of of. I mean, again, these are just our opinions, but I think can help paint a picture as to. Maybe who performed and, and who did not perform that well. well. We'll touch on every player that's on the roster. We'll try to keep it short because obviously if we go into detail with every single player. You're talking about 25-plus players. So we'll try to keep it short and, and just say a grade, maybe a sentence um, with regards to each one. So let, let's start with the goalkeeper, Steve. Now, I'm, I don't know if you, if you have these all written down or you're just going to go off the off the cuff here. But I, have, I wrote my piece for SBISoccer.com last week with player grades for for each player so I'm just going off of that so maybe I'll start and then and then you can and then you can go or do you want to go first and then I'll I'll give my grade you go mate you go okay. for it okay <laughs> all right so we'll start with goalkeepers Luis Robles I'll give him a C plus thought he had some very good games but I thought he also let in some some soft goals when he was healthy so C plus for Luis Robles C, C yeah C plus as well was 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 solid never really never didn't really let the side down did he at all when he when he when he was playing and, and you know he's a good authoritative sort of presence on on the pitch and, and maybe they maybe they miss him a bit John McCarthy I gave him a B minus obviously he's not he doesn't have the expectations that someone like Robles has but when he came in thought he did uh, a fairly solid job maybe penalty kicks not notwithstanding yeah difficult 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 for him but again didn't really let the side down did he if anything was, was sort of let down by by what what went in front of him so a b i think a b okay if you better not be one of those students that copies you know looks over the shoulder and starts copying off of my test here <laughs> I, honestly i didn't have dot com on my computer right now i promise <laughs> okay all right i'll take your word for it i'll take your word for it drake calendar the third string goalkeeper he didn't play I think it's pretty easy to say that's an NA or an incomplete. Um, just we didn't see any of him in, in, in 2020. Um, let's go to the defense, starting at right back with the player that, that played there much of the season. And that's Nicolas Figal, who started the year as a center back, but had to be used as a right back um, eventually because they just couldn't find anyone else to, to, to play there. Or Diego Alonso couldn't find anyone to play there that he trusted as much. So I give him a B minus. Thought he did okay for you know for the for the situation he's in he's not a natural fullback and you can see that he held up okay but obviously he's he's a bit limited there yeah a bit of a bit of a rocky start and then he, he kind of settled down a bit so yeah i think i think it'd be just one of those players that's just sort of just just keeps him sort of ticking over without ever being sort of absolutely sensational mm-hmm. now dylan nealis the rookie uh i i gave him a c um Thought he, he was better towards the end of the year than he was in the beginning of the year. However, obviously, rookies, they tend to have growing pains, and he had plenty of those, especially at the hands of Nani. So 
Give him a C for now. Yeah, not 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 easy, but again, didn't really let the side down, side down too much. I'll, I'll go with that as well as a C. Um, just and yeah, another one that just sort of works works hard, athletic, gets up and down well, and, and you know puts his puts his heart on heart on the heart on the line, which is what you want to see. This was one of my harsher grades. It goes to Alvis Powell. Um, I don't know if you're going to share as harsh of a grade, but I gave him a D minus. Uh, he started the season opener, didn't have a very good game. He had, in fact, he did. He failed to convince so much so that he did not see the field again until a late substitute cameo at MLS's back, and then he did not play again until the end of the season when center backs were dropping like flies because of suspensions and injuries. And even then, he held up okay, but even then he was at fault for, for one of the goals in, in the two matches he played in. So I got to give him a D minus. I don't think he. He was anywhere close to, to, to passing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I go along with that. I mean, you know, they had, they didn't, it was only till, right until the end of the season where they probably got their defence in order, I think. And I think before that, it was just a, a mishmash of just trying to fit, you know, square pegs into round holes. So it was it was difficult and there was going to be some full guys and he was one of them, unfortunately. Denzel Ulisi, a prospect who went unused all season, gets an incomplete, didn't, didn't play this year. Um, I'm going to flip it on you. I'm going to let you go first now. Because I want to hear this one, because I know we've disagreed on this one over the course of the season, and I want to hear your grade without without yeah. without mine being thrown out there. <laughs> Andres Reyes, what grade do you yeah, give Andres Reyes? He he grew on me. How about that? He grew on me. I think he, he definitely had a, a, a shaky start, as I, I think they all did. I think you know no, no one really kept, sort of came straight out of the gate and, and and did really well. Yeah, he he improved. And I think, like you say, he's just a, he's a young young player that they they kind of rate. So. Um, I'll give him. I'll give him a C. I'll be nice. <laughs> I get it. see. That's the one. That's the one player where you've gone uh, giving him a lower grade than I have. I gave him a C plus. Um, I thought he had some very good moments and games, and he has the tools to be a very good player in MLS and beyond. Um, obviously, his youth was costly at certain points, and, and his decision making wasn't the best. But that comes with experience. You figure you know these were just growing pains for him, and that he'll get better. Uh, if if they bring him back, which I would expect them to. AJ De La Garza, the quote master. Um, what what do you think about AJ De La Garza in terms of on the field? Because if we're talking about off the field, we're giving him an A plus. Off right? the field, yeah, A triple <laughs> plus off the field. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think they need those kind of experienced veterans around. Another guy that I'll keep repeating myself, but didn't didn't really didn't really let them let them down. Pretty energetic. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a B, a B is, is fair. It's fair enough for him. I just think his his experience, I think, it was in amongst that squad. I think is really important. We're agreeing quite a bit here, so it's a, it's a bit of a trend so far. I think he might have SBS soccer um, open, but no, I'm just kidding. I, look, he was a Swiss Army knife. He didn't play until the end of the season, and then he filled in pretty respective, respectably at right back and at center back. I thought he held up well. I give him a B just based on on what he did and and what he was expected to do he was you know a bench player and came in and, and helped deliver wasn't flawless but helped deliver in 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 a pinch Leandro Gonzalez Pires you know you already know how I feel I've told you I think he's in the running for MVP him and Lewis Morgan were the most consistent players I gave him an A minus Steve what about you yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much fair enough. I'd I'd go for that as well. I mean, he scored some important goals and became the sort of talisman. I think, I'm, you know, thinking back now when he missed that game 
in Nashville, that was the sort of you know that was the killer blow, wasn't it? So I think he he got he definitely got better as 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 it as it went on. Certainly towards the back end of the season, I thought he was great. So a minus. Yes. We're gonna have picture perfect tests or exact the same test, and a teacher is gonna know that we copied off each other here. <laughs> um, Christian McCoon, what, what do you give him? He put, he only saw a little bit of the field, but what, you know, and what he did see, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, again, another young guy um, who who they clearly rate and have got some got some time for C plus. I give him a C. Now, young had some mistakes, but also had okay moments. Wasn't necessarily great. Wasn't necessarily poor. Ben Sweat. This is an interesting one. I'll let you start here, Steve. I mean, it was was a bit up and down, wasn't he? But um, again, another one that kind of worked hard. So maybe a C minus. I give him a D plus, and I know. People listening to this might not necessarily agree with that because I know there's plenty of Ben Sweat critics, and rightfully so. The reason why he gets a D plus and you know maybe not a lower grade because he gives he gave something to the attack in terms of soccer, in terms of his combination play, his overlapping runs, his ability to project himself and get forward into the attack and serve as an outlet pass. Now, obviously, he had a lot of defensive issues, a lot of defensive errors. So, does it? I don't give him a passing grade, but I think. It wasn't as bad as maybe some other players, which we can still get to. We will, we will get to. All right, Mikey Ambrose, Steve. What? Well, I mean, scored that wonderful goal didn't he, against uh, Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, it looked actually decent when he when he when he when he did get the chance. So um, uh, B minus. I give him a B. He's reliable when when called upon. I don't necessarily think he'll overwhelm you with his quality or, or like he did with that great golazo that he had against FC Cincinnati at least not consistently but I think he, he's you can you can count on him to, to, to do a job so B uh, I think that's what we saw from him in, in 2020 all right the midfield starting with Will Trapp yeah I, I like him I, th- I think he I think he sort of complimented between he pretty well uses the ball nicely doesn't just just keeps keeps the ticking over just does the does the easy things Oh, the, the you know the straightforward things well, um, and he's a good talker as well. Seems like a good guy, so I'll give him a C plus. I gave him a C. He was he started the year poorly, got better as the year went on, and, and claimed a starting spot. However, I, yeah, you'd expect a little more out of someone that's a U.S. international. Um, at least that you know that, that those were my expectations. So I give him I give him a C. Victor Uyoa, who he shared the midfield with before they started splitting. Uh, a position next to next to Blaise Matuidi. So, what do you give Victor Uyoa? Yeah, again, maybe a C as well. I mean, he he gets forward a little bit more, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, and tends to sort of complement the the sort of front three rather than just sort of holding it together with, with Matuidi in in the middle. So, um, yeah, yeah, he did he did okay. I gave him a C plus. Like you said, he gets forward a little more and he contributed to a, a few goals, which I didn't have for him. I didn't expect him to do it, and so. Whereas Will Trapp's a U.S. international, Victor Uyoa is not, so that's why Uyoa gets the slightly higher grade. I don't think expectations for him were as high. Uh, Blaise Matuidi, the, one of the big-name players. What, what do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, again, maybe a C, just just average, I guess, in, in the end. Had had his moments. I think the, the first couple of games he looked great, then he sort of tailed off a bit. And, um, you know, difficult to come in mid-season. Uh, hopefully more to come from him next year, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Just got better as the season got on, went on, but just wasn't great and wasn't terrible. It was kind of somewhere in between. Jay Chapman, center midfielder, reserve. I gave him a C plus. 
he, he saw some time here and there, filled in competently, um, but obviously, again, wasn't a, a big difference maker. Yeah, same here. I, I, I can't say too much about Jay Chapman because I can't really remember him playing. <laughs> David, Nor- David Norman Jr., uh, another young player that, that they're grooming. He spent a good, pit, a good part of the year with an injury, so didn't see the field at all. In, incomplete, I'm, I'm sure, from, from both of us there. Lewis Morgan. Steve, oh, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts here? It has to be an A, doesn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the best player, I think, you know, he's at good set, good at set pieces. You know, it was really weird, wasn't it, in that in that Nashville game where he was sort of played out of position. I think, you know, he he became the sort of the team's talisman even once Iguain turned up, and you know, his delivery was great, great. He weighed in with a few goals. Um, so yeah, like I say, he's probably been one of the these success stories you would have taken if 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 maybe the success story of, of, of the team. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a good one to work with for, for next year, for sure. I give him an A-. minus. I think he was obviously, like you said, the most consistent and the most productive attacker of the bunch. Lethal in terms of bringing in providing service from the wings and, and on set pieces. He got, you know, he, he, there was finally some goals towards the end of the year in, in, in that facet of play. Um, like to see a little bit more goals out of him. Obviously, he finished... The year with five, but those five came in three games. So uh, maybe we'd like to see him finish some chances a little bit more as well as create them. I think that's that. That's the only thing that for me kept him from getting an A and maybe something he can add to his game in in twenty twenty one. Georgia Costa, another youngster, didn't play at all. He's he's a local uh, Miami resident, Miami product. Didn't play, so incomplete for him. This one should be very interesting, and I'm going to let you start, Rodolfo. Pizarro, you've talked about him in recent weeks, and you know I think that T-shirt's in production right now where he didn't do anything. So, uh, Steve, what do you give Rodolfo Pizarro? Uh, I think it has to be a D. I think maybe um, just he just never really got going, did it? I think he's a he's a nice player. He's got a good touch. He floats around nicely. Links play up. I just I just think when they really needed that sort of big players to step up, I just he just, unfortunately just went missing, and I think it's. Yeah, it was just a difficult transition for him, maybe coming from Liga MX to, to here, and then everything that happened. He just, he just never, he just never got going really. And I think for, for, for to be a star man, you need to have produced a bit more. So D for me. Okay, I'm gonna give him a C plus, and this is one that we clearly have some, some uh, we have a discrepancy here. Uh, I give him a C plus because he started the year very well, and he finished the year f- with four goals and five assists and 19 appearances. Not a bad haul, uh, production-wise. Obviously, he drifted in and out of games, and he held onto the ball a bit too long for for a lot of people's liking. But I, I think we lost track, or, or a lot of us lost track of how good he was, at least during the initial stages of the season, the first two games before the pandemic, even during MLS's back. You know, he he was essentially carrying this team as much as he could, and he's not even necessarily that type of player. But he was doing a decent job of it uh, up until, you know, the, the bigger signings came on board and then he kind of started struggling and lost his form a bit. Federico Higuain, he played combined total of 20 minutes in four appearances. I don't think that's enough to warrant a grade. I'd give him an incomplete. I don't know if you if you think, you know, you saw enough out of him, though, to, to give him something, but... We barely saw him at all, did we really? Never, we never, we never really got a shot, which is unfortunate. Uh, so we'll go, we'll go with the last two midfielders. Uh, or at least the ones we're labeling here as midfielders. Matias Pellegrini. What do you think? 
Yeah, again, just uh, they clearly see something in him. It's just difficult to know what it is. He just looks so raw, and he's very young. He's he's, he's pretty lightweight. Um, he sort of again flashes, but just sort of you know not enough. Maybe this is one they're gonna they're gonna build up. But again, if he's and he's a young DP, but you'd, you'd maybe want a little bit more from him. So maybe a D. I gave him a D minus. Him and Alvis Powell have gotten uh, they're amongst the worst grades in in this bunch. Young DP, obviously not the same expectations as a big DP, but his subpar games and, and his rough moments eclipsed his good ones by a wide margin. Just didn't have very many positives this year. So D minus. The last one, Breck Shea. I give him a B minus. I thought he was a pleasant surprise, in terms, especially in terms of goal scoring. Uh, he, he gave him cover at left back, left wing back, left midfield, and, and he did a decent job. Not Maybe not necessarily overwhelmed you through the run of play but he gave him some goals yeah i think c c plus yeah energetic um you know got got up and down scored that good goal didn't he was against atlanta i think or or, or, mm-hmm. or red bull yeah 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 so yeah a, de- a decent player but again one, one who's probably futures a little bit up in the air right now uh, we'll go with the forwards and we'll wrap up well well i guess we'll wrap up with Diego alonso because i'm sure people will want to hear what our grades are with with him so we've got a few more players here gonzalo Iguain. What are your thoughts? He did he did pretty well in the games that, that, that he played in, um, but you know had a rocky start. Then he had to, he got sent off, and he had that argument in his opening game. But he still showed enough that on, on his on his on his day, he could easily be the best best player on the park. I just um, I think with a full sort of preseason behind him, and hopefully not a fragmented season, then I think you'd probably see the best, and you'd probably give him give him a. A C, a C minus, and the fact also he missed the last game as well was an absolute you know killer because that was again they needed the, the big players and they just weren't there. So yeah, C minus. On will D plus. I think he raised the quality of the team immediately upon arriving. I think that was clear to see, but obviously didn't make enough of a difference in his appearances for many reasons, not all of which are, are his own, but didn't make anywhere near the difference that he needs to make on the reported salary that he's on. Juan Agudelo. I'll go. I'll start here. I think he gets for me. He gets a C minus. Showed flashes, but he had injury problems. He, he scored some some goals and, and helped the team in, in that facet, but just not not enough not enough consistency from him. At, you know, at this point in his career, when he's supposed to be at his prime, so C minus. Yeah, probably. I've, I'd have to go the same there. But he, he, he again showed flashes. Just you know, that's that's the problem when the the other guys weren't sort of firing. You needed the sort of backup people to come in and and produce, and, and no one really did. We've got three players to go. Julian Carranza is next. Yeah, again, you, you thought when he scored those goals against Orlando that you know it was going to happen for him, and then it, it kind of didn't. And people really rate him and, and really think that he's got a he's he's got a good future. Just didn't show. He just didn't really really show enough, really. And another one that just didn't didn't produce when it mattered. So maybe a D. I give him a D minus. I have him. Uh, this is the lowest grades with Powell and Pellegrini. I agree. I thought when he scored those two goals against Orlando, you thought you know he might be turning the corner and might be able to, to give him something. I think me and Eric even talked about does Inter Miami ride him out for the season or do they go sign a number nine? And well, clearly they 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 made the right choice because Carranza just didn't show much the rest of the way. So D D minus. The rookie Robbie Robinson. 
Yeah, yeah. I just whenever I think of him, I think about that first game in LA when we were just when he was up front on his own, and there was a couple of he had a couple of good chances that 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 in that match didn't take them. And we we spoke to him afterwards, and just just a young kid who's played for Clemson University last year, and it's just the step up is just is just huge, and work works hard. Love, love seems like a good guy. It was just. You know, way too raw. Um, you know, to to really make an impact at this level for now. So yeah, maybe a D. I gave him exact same grade, and I said that in, in the SBI piece. Failed to really make an impact. He gets a D. Jerome Kiesvetter, he was on the roster, then he got sent to the USL team, Fort Lauderdale CF. He made two appearances, a total twenty three minutes before getting sent on loan. So I think it's an incomplete for him. We'll finish with Diego Alonso, and we'll, that's how we'll wrap up this segment. And this is going to be, I'm sure, something plenty of people could disagree on, or maybe we'll, are curious to hear what we'll say. So, Steve, I'll let you start. Uh, I mean, look, I, because they got into the playoffs, I think you have to give him, have to give him a, a C minus. I think um, he, he was, it was a difficult job. He got, he was appointed 62 days before the start of the season. A lot of the players were already in. He was then having to mix and match the squad and do things. So, I, you know, I, I do have some sympathy for him. I, I do think sometimes he's a little bit too defensive, a bit too pragmatic. Um, maybe throw caution to the wind a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, C minus. I'm going to give him a D. I'm going to give him a D. And because they made the playoffs, even though it was very generous of MLS, more generous than they normally are in terms of how many teams make the playoffs, but I'll give him a D. Otherwise, this would have been a D minus or, or even an F. Um, obviously, there's issues that, that precede him and that, that need to be figured out. But he, he didn't make the best out of the group he got. He struggled quite a bit in terms of his tactics, in terms of how to best get get or sorry how to get the best out of these players. Uh, his substitution patterns at, at times were were not great. So uh, set pieces were, were were poor at least on the attacking end until the end of the year. So overall, I think I think he gets a D. It was a tough learning first learning lesson in in Major League Soccer for Diego Alonso, but. Let us know what you guys think. Are there any grades you think we really whiffed on or anything you, you, you think we hit the nail on the head? Let us know uh, on Twitter or you can at us at Frank Apaniza or at S. Brenner News and you know, let us have it for, for our grades. Maybe you can grade us on the grades we gave and see how we did. Maybe we both get C-minuses or, or Ds as well. But we're going to take another quick break. We'll come back with the Q&A session and we'll wrap things up after that with our final thoughts. <laughs> All right, Steve, it's Q&A time. We always end up going long on these. So let's try to keep it as short as possible, especially after that last segment where we ran through grades for every single player. I think we just held back most of the team if you know if they were trying to, to move on to the next, the next grade level. So um, yeah, let's try to go quick here. Uh, we'll start with at Joseph Jeem1. He asked, please give us a massive update on Miami Freedom Park. I haven't heard anything in months. I have nothing to share with regards to that. Haven't heard anything. Haven't seen anything. Um, I, I, yeah, there's not there's not much to share there. I don't know if you have anything to chime in. Because I know you've, you you were on that that beat for uh, pretty intensely at one point. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess a lot of it's... There was supposed to be the... Well, the new mayor came in, didn't she? I think in uh, last month. And I think that was supposed to be the crux for a lot of things. I think COVID has, has held everything back and I haven't really, it's all gone a little bit quiet. I knew it would go quiet once once the actual soccer started. I knew that would go quiet, but um, 
I, I think they're going to be in Fort Lauderdale for years. I, I, I can't see this Miami Freedom Park happening at, uh, at any time soon. Certainly not within the next three or four years. I'd be, I'd be absolutely stunned. Well, before you said that, I was going to say, well, Steve, you seem to have more of a pulse on that. And I was going to say, give the listeners, give the fans some optimism for why it might happen or, or what you think, how long it'll take. And you just completely zapped that because you you went the complete opposite way with that, which, hey, you know, that's that's fine. Um, I do think it's going to be tough for them to, to get there. Obviously, COVID has, has delayed things further, but you, you think it's going to take years. You think it's going to take even longer than – it, it, it was a challenge. It was a challenge even before. They didn't have enough any, enough votes, right, to, to get the approval. So now, now with everything that's going on, you think it's going to take – even more hurdles, more hurdles have presented themselves now? Well, I mean, you know, the economic climate, the way the way it is, you know, people are, are losing businesses and everything like that. But even before all this happened, I, I always thought that, you know, it was a, it was a, a, it's going to be a long shot. It's going to certainly be a long, long journey. They're miles away from, from agreeing to even buy, to, to buy the land and to get things started. You know, the, think about it, how, how close are they to start putting those first bricks in the ground absolutely miles away i think i don't think they're any closer now than they were you know six seven eight eight months ago so um and i know fall order that's not not ideal for everyone but it's a great base and a great stadium and they've got a great setup there I, the only reason why that miami freedom park works is because it would make the owners and everyone else money yes it'll be a fantastic venue i guess and but it's it's a it's a real estate deal with a soccer stadium just in the middle of it there's hotels there's the shops uh there's everything else business park is going to be the 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 silicon valley for central and south america um it's this is not just a soccer stadium we're talking about because if it was just a soccer stadium they wouldn't make any money out of it so um i wouldn't hold your breath yeah 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 definitely steve is the, the go-to guy on on the stadium on the stadium news there but watch them come out in like two weeks and be like hey we're, we've reached, my, the, we've, we've my, reached the deal. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll post a picture from uh, Mel Reese with my hard hat on as I start chipping away and building the stadium on my own. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Eric. Uh, at Eric2628712126. Frankie P, what's going on, my man? Greg Vanny has just been released by Toronto FC. Any chance Inter Miami may kick the tires on a new coach? And did you guys see if Inter Miami released their player list yet? I know other clubs have. Thanks in advance. So, Eric, as we touched on earlier in the show, Inter Miami's list has not been released by the club yet. They have no obligation or no deadline to do so by a certain date, so not sure when that'll happen. As for whether they'll go after someone like Greg Vanny, I can't imagine. So I think they're going to stick with Diego Alonso. I think we've touched on this uh, over on the show in, in recent weeks. I think they give Diego Alonso another season, another go at it, especially if they can get players that fit more of his his vision and i don't i don't know steve if you have anything you want to you want to add there yeah no diego alonso certainly in in for the the preseason and then and then the start of, of start of next season if 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 they start horrifically then you know the pressure will be on but no they're not going to make a managerial change four more questions uh the next one comes from fish fan 9703 Thinking that upgrades are needed at fullback, the 11 opposite Morgan, so he's talking about uh, a left winger, and the 6, which do you see as the most pressing need for next season? Steve, you can start. I think attacking-wise, I just don't think they scored enough goals. I think they've got the, they've got the, the players that can sort of sit in, the wheel traps and all those sort of guys that can, can sit in and, and be defensive and, and hold things back. It's just, it's in attack. They just didn't, didn't score enough goals. And I think that is 
that's a key area. Maybe Federico Higuain was was the guy. I you know I, we we don't know. We didn't see see enough of him, but they need more attacking threat because, um, like we mentioned, with the guys like Carranza and Agudelo and Robbie Robinson, all those guys, they just didn't really didn't really cut it. They needed some sort of cutting edge in in, in the final third. I'm gonna say, and I wrote this last week. Need one A is a left winger. They need someone on the left that can balance out the attack a little bit more, like you just said, that can give them the threat that Lewis Morgan gives them on the right, help them not be so one-dimensional in the attack, a little less predictable and a little more dangerous. But I do think that right after that, need 1B is a 6, uh, 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 an enforcer, a hard-nose type of player, a pit bull terrier that can play next to Blaise Matuidi and win some balls and, and kind of impose the team's will and his will on, on the opposition, and that could maybe help free up Blaise Matuidi to, to play a little bit more with, with the ball and going forward. That I, I think those are the two biggest, biggest needs um, in that order. Next question comes from Can't See Me at Jorge DTA. I see Reyes as a nice developmental player, but his ability to stay on the field was a liability, health, and cards. I would like to see the team grab another starting center back and let Reyes spend the next year building up his game before anointing him the starter. He then follows up and says, I should have framed this in the form of a question. Um, I think we can touch on it, just what he's, what he's presented. I think, like I've said, I, I rate Reyes. I think he's got the tools to be a good center back in this league and beyond. But yes, I agree that you know maybe maybe... Pairing Nicolas Figal and Leandro gonzalez Pires in the middle next year and letting Reyes come in as uh, as the third option in spot duty or or in, in, in circumstances, not necessarily every game, will allow him to, to grow at a proper pace for, for his age. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, I think they, they've seen enough of him to warrant potentially, you know, getting getting him in, you know, per- permanently. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think he, he did enough. I think he did enough to warrant that. And then, and then, then they'll go from there. He's he's definitely a good backup. He's not going to be the first choice right now, but he's young and he fits the fits the profile of the guys that they want to have in the in, in the squad moving forward. Now we got the next one from Emmanuel Delgado. What academy player do you see making the jump to the first team roster? The ownership slash Paul talking about Paul McDonough have been quite quiet. What are they scheming or why are they hiding from? Almost complete failure to live up to the self-imposed hype. Does Morgan stay? So a lot of questions there. I think Morgan stays unless someone comes in and offers a ton of cash for him, um, which I don't necessarily think that'll happen this this winter, but maybe in another year. As for which academy player, I've heard that they like Ian Frey. So I wouldn't be surprised if he signs a contract. He's, he was with the USL team. This, this season, but I wouldn't be surprised if he signed a first-team contract in 2021. Steve, I will let you have the other part of that question about why they have been quiet or what are they scheming or what are they hiding from. I know we touched on it in the whole entire first segment, but, you know, if you want to just summarize what you think there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've been quiet because I think they've got a lot of a lot of answers, questions to to answer, and it hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't gone to plan. I, I, they'll definitely be pl- already planning for, for what happens Next year. Final question comes from J.R. Reed. Gents, with rumors of Pizarro being unhappy with the team and possibly looking to go back to Liga MX, do you think letting him go back would be a good move for Inter Miami? Any truth with this Gerard rumor? I feel he is not leaving until after Euros. And what are your off-season plans? Okay, a little, a little personal question there. <laughs> um, well, 
I know Steve's gonna go hang out with with David, but um, I I'm gonna say the rumors about Pizarro. I've heard them making the rounds in recent days, and I think they're maybe he is frustrated. Maybe maybe that there is a level of truth to that, but I think there's I think that one's just kind of being exaggerated a bit. I think the story that I read that maybe where all this is coming from is is a piece. Uh, from from I think it's a Mexican outlet that said he was liking tweets about him playing in Mexico or or wanting to return to Mexico, and I think it was more along the lines of a player just liking tweets that are complimentary of him. I don't I think you know think there's being too much read into that as to him wanting to go back to Mexico. Um, so I don't think he's gonna go back. Besides, on top of that. He has a, a relationship with Diego Alonso that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Diego Alonso what, at one point this season called paternal, so kind of like a father figure, father son, because they, they've, you know, they've they've worked together for so long, not just with Inter Miami in, in Mexico at two different clubs. So I don't, I think he's the one player or the first player that Diego Alonso really wanted once he came on board, and that's the one they went to go get right before the season started. So I don't think he he'll be going. He'll be going anywhere. And then as for Giroud, doesn't make sense. I don't think it makes much sense. I don't see how they could sign Giroud when they have Higuain. So I, that, that's just, uh, I don't think that, that that has much much uh, substance. Yeah, I was asked to check out the Giroud uh, rumor. Um, again, didn't really find too much out on it. Um, I think he'd be a good, be a good player. I don't think he'd want to come as a backup. And again, you, you know, I, I can't see him fitting into this system right now unless they went back to my fabled 4-4-2 but I can't see that happening so um but he'd be an interesting player but he had to play as like a sort of figurehead and I think that's Higuain's position right now so unless Higuain drop would drop deeper potentially but uh I don't know so what are your off-season plans Steve we, we didn't answer that part what are your off-season plans do you have anything special lined up and obviously with with COVID it's, it's hard to you know take traveling into consideration but anything Anything you do, you have specifically planned for for the next few weeks? No, not really, man. No, I mean, still, you know, still covering sort of, you know, soccer from from afar. Um, still trying to speak to agents, speak to people, speak to you know, people are in in and out outside of the game, coming up with stories. Uh, that's what you know journalists do. So even though we haven't particularly got any live sport right now, there's still soccer and, and other stuff going on throughout the world. So just trying to trying to keep busy, and then uh, fingers crossed that a vaccine will come, and then we can all get back to normal at, at some point soon. I'm trying to plan a trip somewhere. Somewhere. I want to go somewhere. I haven't traveled this year, obviously, for obvious reasons. But I want to go somewhere, whether it's in the United States or, or maybe uh, Aruba. I just want to go somewhere. Uh, I like traveling, and not being able to do that has, has been uh, frustrating on a personal level. So I'd like to do that before the end of the year. Don't know if it'll happen. I'm going to try. Other than that, it's just being with the family, staying local, and, and trying to continue to cover Inter Miami as much as possible because it seems like the offseason is long, but you know if things resume as they normally do, training camp starts at the end of, of January, and then there's a bunch of, of roster decisions that have to be made between now and then, including signings. So it'll be, it'll be probably a busy few weeks, you know, more than maybe people are, are expecting them to be. So that's, those, that, those are the questions for this week. Steve? Final thoughts before we wrap up this week's show. We, we've tried to be positive where, where we can, but just right now, like you say, I think that there needs to be some sort of clarity from, from the front office in terms of 
what they're doing and, and what they think they've done wrong. And I think I think once we get that, then I think that will help us, um, you know, move, moving forward. So it, it should be an interesting couple of weeks or, or not if we don't actually speak to anyone. But um, it would be get, good to get some clarity on, on, on what they're thinking. But like I say, I think the silence means that, you know, they, they know that there's some, some difficult questions that need to be answered. My final thought is, Enter Miami CF Stadium is not done holding games yet. If you've missed the news, yes, Inter Miami's out of the playoffs, but Inter Miami CF Stadium will host its first international friendly next week. It'll be the United States men's national team against El Salvador in a friendly at the home of Inter Miami. Tickets go on sale this week for next Wednesday's match. So if you if you want to get back out to Inter Miami CF Stadium, there's an opportunity to do so. The football is not done yet in South Florida in 20. 20. But that does it for this week's show. We'll talk to you guys 